This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of WTHK. My name is Pedro Orantes and sadly, or gladly, not sure how to put it, there's only two of us in the show tonight. Um, Chris is missing out of action. Again. After a long streak of two shows showing up. Yep. After promising he'd be here for most of the year, he has disappeared on show three. We've barely got into February, people. There's a flat tire, right? A very flat, flat tire. I know that there's a very flat tire, which is not the first time it's happened to him whilst in America. And it's, um, yeah, I get the feeling American potholes are rather more mean compared to British potholes. Oh, you got to meet northern Mexican potholes. Oh, I was going to say, I, I have no experience of Mexican potholes, let alone northern Mexican potholes. Put it this way. It's, it's one of our main streets. Basically, mm-hmm. it crosses the entirety of the town and it goes as far as almost Mexico City. It's huge. It's filled with potholes. And one of them is so big that a couple of weeks ago, I, I, you know, I was reported of a crash. I just went and they told me it was a big crash. They didn't tell me how big it was. Well, essentially, half a car fell into a pothole. <laughs> I know. Yes. No, 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 no. We're talking about an entire axle. Something went in. What's on earth? Yeah. That is that is mental. Mexico. I will, not, I will not be driving my car in Mexico anytime soon. Or I don't even I don't even want to do it and I live here. <laughs> I got no choice. <laughs> Speaking about cars and um cars that don't drive around potholes, we had two car lunches. Well, a livery lunch and an actual car lunch. Uh, two livery launches, really. I I don't know if it's something that I didn't pick up, but it looked to me, I saw something different in that Rebel car. It felt a bit more squared at the back. Yeah, I think it was more like the original version it had at the beginning of 2022. Mm, okay. And to be honest, they've just <laughs> BS'd us. It's going, um, oh, we've got launching the new car, RB19. Oh, look, it's an RB19. It is exactly the same as the RB18, and there's no way in hell it's going to look the same when we get to Bahrain. Uh, I genuinely think that Red Bull treat its fans like we're idiots. Well, because have their fans come from DTS. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, it's the, they are they must think that. F1 fans have an IQ of 10 because it's just so transparent and insulting. You've got to wonder why they keep going on with this line of, it's a new car, it's a new car, it's a new car. It's not a new car. We can literally tell. You can look. It comes from the rhetoric of, of Christian Horner. Yes, which is BS all the way. Yes. It, it me, just me, 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 down. Me, me. Yeah, and it's just no, I don't like it. It's not good. It's annoying. It's I'm 
don't mind the livery thing on the basis that they have a livery and they're going to stick with it. It's, in some ways, it's a bit boring, but in some ways, you've got to go, well done, unlike the way you've done it. Well played. But the rest of it, nah, feck off. Well, the, the livery thing, the car thing, I didn't take it as personally. I wasn't expecting a new car, you know, even less so for Red Bull. No. Um, the, the thing with the livery, I mean, they tasted so much yeah. for the past two weeks. And it's the same damn car. Yeah, there is no difference. It's the same shade of purple. The yellow and the red bits are all in the same place. It's the same sponsors in exactly the same place, which makes me think it's not this year's car. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of... Uh, just tell us what it is. Tell us it's a livery, it's a livery launch, or just we're going to bring forward in launch. Yeah, and everyone, and no one will mind. It's like with um, Hasted; it was always a livery launch. Everyone knew it was a livery launch. We got the livery, and everyone was happy because we got a livery. We were given what we were told we were going to get. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Red Bull do need to really work on their PR. I might sound like a broken record, but. They're catering to Netflix fans. Yes, the, uh, into it. Yeah. Well, it's um the the way they did it today, which was we're gonna go to New York, we're gonna do it full American style. Which that well given an American engine manufacturer coming in. Yes. Fair enough. And you know what? Why not? Everyone's got big in America, take advantage of it while you can. Mm-hmm. But there will come a time where you've got to look around everywhere else. It's not just America. And that is if Red Bull and F1 as a whole aren't careful, they're going to forget that there's however many other, however many other continents available with people on it, depending on how many continents you believe there are. There's an entire world out there. It's, it's you know... I'm gonna yes. sound very um I don't know what's the word. I don't know if it's it facetious is the word, but you know, this is not NASCAR. <laughs> as much as I like NASCAR, this ain't NASCAR. No, no, there's a there's a different appeal going on here. Now, um I didn't watch the event. I didn't watch any I, I was, you know, chasing down politicians and whatnot. Um did not watch the event. I watched the car and then I watched um, a couple of Fords. I'm pretty sure one was one of them was a Fiesta drifting, and the other one in charge of Sergio Perez, I believe, was a Transit. A Ford <laughs> Transit. Not any Transit, the eco-electric Transit. I'm not showing where Checo is going to be for the rest of the year then, are they? <laughs> According to your, uh, <laughs> to your prediction, yes. <laughs> They they showed Ricardo, right? Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, Ricardo was around. Ricardo was doing some speechy bits. He's going to win a race this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not. If I'm Sergio, I'm just, you know. No, I if I was Sergio, I would not be. I would not be happy. But yeah, um, yeah, it's having a glitzy launch again. We've moved back to pre two thousand and eight or pre twenty ten, really. With the glitzy stuff, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. There is another fun when it comes to big events for this sort of thing. Slightly, yeah, 
fair enough with delivery. I I feel people Pushing. haven't talked. Hmm. Second. I I feel people haven't talked enough about Ford joining the no. Red Bull. It's taken over the, the the problem with Ford. It's it, you kind of it's it's both thinking, oh, this is big, whilst then you go through the history of what Ford's done, and you go, oh shit, you were rubbish in F one. You've yeah. done one good thing. You've made a Cosworth DFE. That's all you've done in the whole of Formula One, because they they did Howard Stewart didn't they and Stewart were okay. Then they bought out Stewart and had Jaguar and they were dog dirt. Yeah. Ford haven't even had the balls to make their own proper works team. Hence they made the DFV and then all the other versions that went over to IndyCar. I think the DFX was the one, wasn't it? That went over to IndyCar. And it flooded. Oh, it, it, it was a fluke on IndyCar as well. Yeah. It was and it's, yeah, well, the DFV was amazing. It's like the third winningest engine in the whole of Formula One. But it's just Ford in F1 is underwhelming and almost always a flop. Mm-hmm. And whilst probably the world's, one of the world's largest vehicle manufacturers coming into sport should be, yes, look at this. This is amazing. I'm kind of going that I, I know what Ford have done before and um, it doesn't end well. Yeah, I know. Bit depressing, I will say on my part, but I'm I'm not confident Ford are going to do anything particularly interesting or particularly good because the, 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 I just know. I don't, I don't think they've got the, well, they might have the motivation to do it now, but it's, nah, I'm not convinced by them at all. I, I can buy the motivation aspect of it. Not necessarily the experience or even the expertise. Um it's it's not yeah, as if you had if if you had you know Ford engineers working closely with single seaters or anything of that sort. Um no, they're not even in Le Mans, well not in the hypercar bit, so the bit where the engines might be comparable. Yeah, they they yeah, do the, cars. And yeah, they do the GT stuff and then the GT, the actual Ford GT was, I think the new version was pretty good when you had Scott Dixon behind the wheel. Yeah. But engine wise, the GT cars have, it's not even comparable with an F1 engine. And whilst there's going to be a basis for them to start off with in terms of, i.e., it's Honda's engine, despite what Red Bull try and make you think, it's, they're going to be behind the curve. And yeah. they could be behind the curve for a while if they're not careful. Now, I want to go back, and I tweeted about this. Um, every time they either tease or they show up another um, agreement with a engine manufacturer, because we've seen names come and go for the past couple of months, I always go back to Christian Horner's words when they were opening up their factory. We're going to build our own engines from scratch. Red Bull power trains. No, it's not from scratch. You lied. You've basically taken, you've bought Honda's IP and just run with it, which fair play to you for doing it, but no, it's not from scratch. It's it's crazy. I, I expected you've... at this point for people to just, you know, actually hit a little bit more in that. I haven't seen anyone do it. Although, what did um, what did I see? There was something on the Twitter 
which was um, about who signed up for uh, to be an engine manufacturer in 2026. And what was it? You've got your usuals. There we go. You got Red Bull Ford. You got Merck, Honda in there. Mm-hmm. You've got yeah, it's Honda and Audi are in there. Oh yes. So mm-hmm. along with Alpine and Ferrari, etc., it's the usual. But if Honda aren't going to be with Red Bull, who are they going with? Well, you can only supply three teams in the grid. Uh, no, I think I don't know if that's the rule. Because remember, Merck have got four because they got the Mercedes, the works team, Aston, McLaren, and Williams. Yeah, but it's works team plus another three. Oh, okay. Is it that? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm rather hoping that Honda are the other team, along with Andretti Cadillac, that are one of the two teams that are going to be coming into the sport in the next couple of years. I. The way they left, or the way they said they were leaving, mm, yeah. and coupled this with the Ford thing, I don't think there's any coming back. Um, even <laughs> so, if if you wait in the you know the whole Alonso McLaren drama. Mm, well, the problem with Honda is that they're they're very flip floppy. Yes, it's, it's it's a fish out of water. It's just flip flop, flip flop, and it's just we want to be in. No, we don't. We want to win again. Mm. No, no, no. We're gonna, we're gonna walk away. Mm-hmm. We're gonna build a. We're going to build the car for 2009, but then we're gonna pull out three months before we start racing it. Idiots. And if they had, they'd need to sign up to the Concord Agreement for years to actually be in it consistently. Mm. As a works team rather than just engine, so it's. It's going to have to be one hell of a Concord agreement for them to do it. But I would like to see Honda actually put some effort in once and actually make it properly happen. Because we know they would have been, Honda would have won a world championship in 2009. Because if Braun could do it after after screwing in a Mercedes engine into the back of it, Mm -hmm. the Honda would have done with the Honda engine it. Who knows? And with the development as well, would have been epic. Maybe even a one twenty ten as well, but Mahon, they've done this since the sixties. It's they turn up, did quite well in the sixties. Richie Ginther won their first race. Was it Ginther? Maybe in Mexico. It was in Mexico as well. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Then they walk off, come back as an engine manufacturer, supplier again, start doing well. Then go, well, we're going to make our own team, and they go, ah, no, we're not. It's 1999, we don't fancy it. And then the, finally, they do make their own works team again, and it's crap. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm now starting to think bringing a manufacturer into F1 is maybe not the best idea. As I say, as only a manufacturer? Hmm? Or as a manufacturer? Just a manufacturer? Because yeah, yeah. it's... It's, it's it's one thing with Audi because Audi you know, I can see Audi being in the sport for another 20 years now once they get in because they're going to start making money and it's going to be why would we stop doing this now <laughs> we're good we're beating Mercedes we're good at this now we're going to keep going 
but most other manufacturers can't be bothered, not for the long term. Mm-hmm. So, bring in Andretti. Whilst Honda would be nice, bring in Prima. That'd be fun. Have we talked about the other reveal of the week? Ass. Moneygram Minardi. Otherwise, otherwise known as Ass. It does look like lots and lots of Minardis from the a side. Lot. But it's not bad. A lot of them. It's a, it's a decent livery. The problem is it, it annoys me because you look at it for the first time and go, ooh, that's quite nice. And the more you look at it, the worse it gets because right. the red gets in the way. You want you you want it mainly black and white with flashes of red, but no, you splash the red on like it's a murder scene, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make the car look good. What? It's really odd. It's it's too bright. It's too in your face compared to the rest of it to be effective. And every time I look at it, the more annoyed I get because what you should have had is one of the best liveries, best black and white liveries you may have ever seen. But no. Has doing what they do. They've ruined it at the last minute. <laughs> I, well, first of all, I'm, I'm listening to some Mexican traditional music at the background. That's my neighbor. If you guys hear it on the podcast, I'm really, really sorry. It's really, really annoying. Um, going back to the paint scheme, to the, to the um, livery. I've never seen a paint scheme or a livery that essentially I like depending on the day of the week. <laughs> I, can, I can wake up one day and say, oh, it's it's super cool. It looks like minority. And then I went back today and looked at it and I said, okay, it looks like a NASCAR paint scheme. One of those generic ones you put in your career mode. <laughs> it's like, oh, someone suggested it looked like a, um... no, it wasn't. Um... Was it someone thought it looked like Dale Hanarts? Or am I getting that wrong somewhere? It, it looks, and, and if you play motorsport games, dear audience, you, you'll get this. It looks yeah. like a generic paint scheme. Yeah, it's nothing. It's like Williams was two years ago, which was, it's literally come out of a game. <laughs> not, not kidding. It was in a game. Yeah. I do like one thing, though. I, for whatever reason, Maybe it's you know, the novelty of the name or the branding in F one with MoneyGram. They put it in the in the uh, front wing. Mm, one yeah. says money and the other one says Graham. I think that's absolute genius branding and genius placement. Yes, I think that's very well done, and it it looks that element of it, the branding, well, the the sponsorship bits look good. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the, the font's nice and it's it just looks nice. And you just know that at some point Magnuson's going to hit someone, a bit of wing's going to come off, and there's just going to be a bit of wing that says Graham next yeah, to the side of the drink. Or money. <laughs> That'd be quite funny if it said money and landed somewhere. <laughs> Suitable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's annoying, not because it's ugly or anything, but it's what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is it could have been amazing yeah but yeah it's it, it won't be the worst livery on the grid no probably gonna be sixth seventh who's gonna be the ugliest livery on the grid uh ooh, that's an interesting question that. actually i don't know it depends if, oh, that, that's a very good question i don't know whether it'll be ugliest or just 
not least good looking. What if I say hmm. Williams? Friends, if they have golf or not with them. I think golf is going to be a farce. Mm, yeah, I don't, I'm not convinced where that's going, but if you get a full golf livery out of the Williams. They might run it like in Monaco or whatever, you know, actually full golf livery. Yeah. Look, look at it. It's it's just a golf logo in, in the wing or something. Yeah, it'd be something kind of boring and dull. Yeah. Yeah, what would be the worst? Oh, oh the Alpha Tower is going to be crap. Why? I always like Alpha Tower. Uh, there's, they're a little bit too hit and miss for me. It's, it's, for me, Alpha Tower is essentially, and, and I guess it's quite appropriate because, you know, they're junior team. Um, but it's sort of like the opposite from Red Bull, whilst being the actual same thing. It's the same car every year, but it's black. It's I'm sorry, it's white and it's a blue that it's almost black and it looks very elegant. Then they invert it the year after, and it's just yeah, it's I'm not, I don't I don't hold any hopes up for Ferrari. Uh, Aston will be nice. Alpine could come up with a shocker. As long you as it's like. Miami Vice pink. Jesus, that was awful. Looking back at the first two races of last season at Bahrain Saudi and looking at those poor... It, the issue isn't the fact it's pink, it was poorly done. And looking at the two cars, it just looks so boring and dull compared to the, the one they had for the rest of the season, which was the blue one. Yeah. Or blue and... Yeah. I also think McLaren could come up with a dodgy, dodgy livery this year. Oh, I feel they're going to mess it up. At some like, point, it's got to mess up because we saw what Montoya was driving at the Indy 500 last year. That was dog dirt. Yeah. So we know they're a little bit weird. Oh, well, no. I mean, if I put it in the context of IndyCar, and, and, and it's weird that we've, we've gone, essentially, just do an entire episode on paint schemes and liveries. Um <laughs> But if I look, if I put it in the context of, of IndyCar, if I remember correctly, Montoya was running a red car. I thought it was. Was it? I, I thought it was him because it was, it had the, I might have been Rosenquist, but it was, it had the papaya, the, the blue, and then a weird greeny brown color. Yeah. Yes. And a couple of others just dotted around. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of, what on earth have you done? Yeah, the car I was referencing to, it's actually the Indy GP car when they started running the three car. Yes, yes. Well, now that you mention it, yeah, it sucks. Um, Because it, it kind of broke the harmony. If you were to keep the red car in the context of IndyCar, which, you know, they changed it. Some teams change sponsor from race to race, contrary to a one. Yeah. I would actually loved it. And I actually liked the red car very much. It looked nice. Oh, yeah. The red one was much nicer than the 500 one. Yeah. By the way, their new cars actually annoy me very much. Oh, what? The... the or which one? The cars. All, the award or the Rossi one? All of them piss me off. <laughs> They're all the same. Yeah, I did They're quite like... they the same. I, they, they brought out... um. Rossi's car and that was nice because it was even more blue I quite liked it but more blue than the papaya worked quite nicely and then basically awards car is the same as last year it's ex- it's exactly the same isn't it it's just black orange done but bit it, of blue 
it's gonna be. I'm thinking about Texas, because mm. I go to Texas. I won't be able to spot the dim cars. Yes, it will be difficult. Lisa Rossi, you've got the big old blue to look out for, but it's this is this is the problem I had or had with Formula E the last couple of years, which is everyone picked black, white, or red as a color for their car, mm-hmm. and you're just going can't tell any bloody difference. It's amazing that this year we've had three races and you can tell which car's which. On the basis, you've got a green one, a blue one, an orange one, a white one, and it all just makes more sense. And you can work out which car's which. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a time in which Formula E cars were obsessed with chrome paint schemes. Yes, it was chrome and it was just not good for anyone. I, I... Vaguely remember that. I remember the Virgin cars. Uh, they were like chrome and purple or whatever. Yeah, those were old colors. Those ones. Yeah. And then everyone else was red, and it's just kind of nah. Yeah. But at least with the car, there always tends to be different colors, and F one has a habit of going up and down. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's rubbish. I'm looking forward to WC. See what they come up with. But IndyCar this year is going to look good, I think. All the different colours out there, because we've seen um, Canapino and Ilot's cars. Canapino's from... car. So good, don't they? I think Canapino probably just takes Ilot's, but they both look good. It's exquisite, and that guy's going to make a big impact on IndyCar. Ilot or Canapino? Canapino. Because no, I have a feeling Canapino is going to be near the back. Mm. It may come down to my lack of knowledge of the man, but I'm not sat there going, ooh, he's going to be big. Look, if I'm if I'm honest, straight down honest, on IndyCar, I've only seen him raise test sessions. Okay, yeah. Like no more, no more than five cars in there, right? Mm. Because they're testing engines, whatever, they're testing tires. Whatever. Yeah. But the the place where he comes from, which is you know Turismo Argentino, essentially NASCAR or Argentina. Is is it S? They're not S two thousand or something. SC two thousand or something. What not anymore. It? Ah, yeah. Yeah, that used to be their old name. Um, it's such a odd little place in racing. It's very precarious and very um, what's the word I'm looking for? vast in other areas such Mm. as in I have a car that's equally powerful as a NASCAR but I'm essentially running my races with not a single penny out of you know monetary gain I get nothing else so I I I would like to believe that the things you gotta go through when you're racing in Turismo de Carretera Argentino the Argentinian turn cars are gonna yeah. contribute to his ability and his attributes on IndyCar. I haven't thought about it like that because it's because it's um the South American tour cars kind of get a back seat over in Europe, and if you hear of anything, it's gonna be the Brazilian one, the Brazilian, oh, Brazilian yeah. stock car. The stock cars. Yeah, because it helps when you've got Rubens Barrichello winning it, someone mm-hmm. we've heard, of. and. Yeah, I could, uh, you, you see clips and things, and they do look mental. 
No, they're insane. They're nuts. They look like single seaters and they've just put a plastic body over it to make it look like it's an actual touring car when in fact it's not. It's like old DTM used to be back yeah. in the 90s. It was literally, it was basically a Formula One car and they just put the body shape of the McLaren 190E on of a Mercedes 190E, put it on top and called it a, <laughs> a touring car. It's pretty much that. I mean, it's touring cars mixed with more of the, maybe Formula Two. I wouldn't say they're as fast as a Formula One car. Okay, yeah. Um, but put like a hybrid, uh, right? Now. A quick example: they're Mustangs, technically, mm. but the car you see, the body shape that you see on the track, is nothing like a Mustang. Absolutely nothing. The only thing that has Mustang on it is the actual decal with with. This. <laughs> Add to the quirkiness with a body from a manufacturer that was only available in Argentina. When broke in 1967, someone rescued the IP for the um, uh, for you know the engineering and the bodywork. Yeah. Race car. How was it? Uh, I gotta check that. <laughs> I got the name in the back of my head, but I just can't remember it. Thing is, you have a 2022 Mazda, a 2022 Mustang, a 2022 Ford, whatever, and a 1956. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's like turning up in a Maserati 250F at the F1 and just going, I'm gonna win this. It's, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> it's it's a crazy championship. Uh we got five minutes left. I think we'll we'll probably uh, it'll be interesting where Hunkos go. Because if you're Callum Ilot putting it on the front row at Laguna Seca, mm-hmm. you've got to think, if he's done that in a year, what else can he do in the next year? So I think Canapino might be in for the odd slapping from Ilot if he's not careful. Well, if they're not careful, they might just bang into each other. Well, true, yeah. If the guy's what? as good as I think he's going to be, they might just bang into each other. Yeah. I mean, I'll be near the front. That'd be fun if Junkos are right up there. I'd enjoy that. It's it's insane. And imagine if they beat McLaren. That would just be funny. Oh yeah, I would laugh my ass off. But the the rise in IndyCar, it's quite, it's nuts. I mean, only four years ago they were the tiny little car with the you know that River Plate sponsorship that no one knew. <laughs> well, only in America, everyone, most people in Europe know who River Plate are. What was that? Well, only in America because it's soccer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we Europeans know River Plate because it's one of two big teams in Argentina, the other being Boca Juniors. But wait, you said soccer. Yeah, River Plate. No, you're the one that says football, not soccer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's soccer. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's, it's, it could be. As you said, it could be quite the a slap in the face in a very hard rookie season, or as yeah. I would like to believe, an actual pretty decent season for a, a rookie. Interesting, because um, Junkos himself is Argentinian, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So he's um, probably going to feel quite at home. Oh yeah, for sure. So that'll be good for him. But yeah, it'll be interesting how he does. They might just well bring in the car to Argentina all by themselves. Oh, I'd love to see IndyCar in Argentina. Yeah. 
It'd be nuts. I want to see it back in Brazil too, and Mexico. Did they ever race Mexico? I'm I'm trying to remember that. There again. Did they ever race in Mexico? Uh, Cart did or Champ Car back oh, in the middle. Oh, alive back then. Well, when you were uh, it, it was it was the mid noughties like 2003, 2004, that sort of area. It was Champ Car. You know, yes, I was alive. Just after Car. Why don't I remember that? It was it was when they started. They that they're the people who started um, racing through the four of bloody soul. We can blame Champ Car for that. Oh God, it it's insane. How how can I not remember that? And actually remember the fact that they raced in this same city in a street track yes they did didn't they? didn't they do it in a park or something odd little track that one you mean in my town no no there was another track in mexico that they raced in um but it was uh was it monterey oh no, no 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 it was um they did you know the other one that i do remember i i was it's they did it, but they did it in a, a national park called uh, yes. Parque Chapultepec. That sounds familiar. It's quite literally, a park. Yeah, it was. Yeah, a park. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, get get IndyCar to Brazil. I think get them into into Lagos. Get get uh, the Hermanos Rodriguez back onto the Canada, and I vote you get a race in Argentina. Whether it's the Oscar Galvez or if it's Butter de los Funes, I don't mind. One of them will do nicely. All right. Um, before we move on to our final motorsport bit of the show, I, I wanted to mention something as a racing fan, not necessarily as a writer or even a motorsport journalist. I will not accept for IndyCar to come back to Mexico before NASCAR. Oh, you want NASCAR back first, then? Yeah, they, they should. Um, they've been there. They There was a time in which they raced five straight years in Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. When the speedway was shit, let me just add that, it was a terrible, terrible speedway because the old design, the old layout was just, you know, crumbling to pieces. Yeah, that was not a... Yeah, that didn't survive well into the 90s, did it? Yeah. it or even the 2000s. Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, and I just don't see why not. Um, just make, I don't know if it's the speedway or if it's NASCAR. Uh, unfortunately, I don't cover motorsports, you know, full time for a living, so I don't really know who's to blame or who has more blame, because there there have been talks between NASCAR and the speedway, and for some reason I don't know if it's the dates. Or they just plain don't want them in there. I don't think it's that. There's quite a bit of hardcore NASCAR fans in Mexico. They just can't agree. Oh, given you've got Suarez doing quite well. Yes. You'd kind of expect there'd be a clamor for both to get it done. Because you're going to, because if it is at the Hermanos Rodriguez, it's going to f- get sold out. Let alone. Suarez, you know, just just leave that aside for one second. We're talking about a country that had a NASCAR series, has a NASCAR series for 20 or so years. 
I mean, they had their own regional series, the NASCAR Mexico series. And they still can get it done. Uh, Twenty. the problem is, if it's a problem with NASCAR themselves being too belligerent with money or whatever, then you've got to wonder what they're doing. But then, yeah, maybe too many demands from Mexico. I don't. I generally don't know who is to blame for that one. I would like to blame this on safety, and until proven otherwise, for my own mental health, I'll say safety. Can we do another one? And just blame IndyCar. Because <laughs> um, if they didn't get there first, it will not only annoy you, but it will be. Well, that's why NASCAR didn't come here. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice, but it's it's it does not have the same history and tradition as as NASCAR does in Mexico. No. Um, speaking of NASCAR Mexico series, I would like to mention this. Um, before we move into the actual cup cars, mm. um, Federico Gutierrez uh, lost his life um a couple of days ago in a car crash. Oh no! If you guys don't know who that is, I, I, it's quite understandable. He was one of the biggest promises biggest prospects of nascar mexico series and even more so i think this makes it worse or a bigger loss for the sport he was one of those guys like suarez you know i don't want to make it to f1 i don't want to use this as a step ladder to f1 i want to go to nascar and make it yeah. big in NASCAR. he was just uh 17 years old was he driving or was it a passenger I'm not sure uh, the investigations that's a bit uh, unclear because uh, he, I think his father is accusing someone of murdering him. Um, not sure. Anyhow, um, good to hear. May he so rest in peace. Uh, I, I think Mexico has lost um, a great driver. Now, uh, on to the cup cars. Going to go driving around a stadium that isn't meant for them. Oh, there's nothing that's not not meant for NASCAR. <laughs> not Most now. Chicago are not meant for NASCAR, and they're doing it anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's a constant turn. It's just a question of how tight. Ironic. <laughs> it is left though. Very, so they've very, got... very ironic. It's the Sunday. It's at. 5 p.m. our time. Not sure what time is that for you guys. That's going to be, what, 11? What time is it now for you? Oh, yeah. Six. It's 5 p.m. It should be... Oh, it's 5 p.m. there. now. it's going to be midnight here. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I won't be watching. Yeah, your brother might. <laughs> he might. He's got some... He's got the time uh, difference sorted on that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I will be sleeping. As I mentioned before, I won't get too much into this because I've mentioned it for the past couple of two weeks. This will be trial by fire for NASCAR. If this cars start breaking down in the middle of lap number five out of 30, then we're going to be in trouble. What's wrong with the cars? Is it purely reliability or are they still breaking people? Hold on, let me just close my door. Give me five seconds. As Pedro has disappeared off, we're going to welcome you to the Alex show. Whether or not you want this or whether anyone would like this to exist, it's happening now. 
I did a Chris. I disappeared for a brief moment. Yep. And it meant I was the only one on the podcast. It's a bit of a risk. <laughs> it's no, considering that it's you and not your brother, I wouldn't call it a risk. Mm. Depends which avenue I decide to go down. Well, thankfully, I'm back. Well, after <laughs> it's if, if they start breaking down, if you start seeing cars that don't actually compress when they hit because they have never crashed uh, on testing and they have never crashed publicly, we know they've done crash tests, but not in front of TV cameras or writers or anything. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's exciting. It's fun. It's um, one of the most entertaining racing series in the world coming back. But it's also a bit sketchy. Yes, after last year's uh, sketchiness of um, we're going to start sending people into retirement every time you crash element of it. Another year of that sort of controversy ain't going to go well for it. Yeah, no. Given outside of American NASCAR is... It has a reputation of being quite simple in terms of all you got to do is turn left. I, I almost didn't want you to say it. But you said I had it. to say it. <laughs> I had to say it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I had to say it. But in, in fairness, if we look at the bright side, I don't know if, you, if I, I'm pretty sure I did mention in the show, they were analyzing the fact that if these cars didn't show any improvement over the winter. They were going to talk about bringing back Gen 6 for the season, the, the, you know, the, the previous car. That and is so a slap far, in the face. So far, Gen 7 is still going. So I assume they found nothing wrong or at least nothing to be worried about. A bit better. So yeah. Trust them currently. Who's in charge of that? Is it still the France family or is someone else taking over? Well, the French family will always own NASCAR. It's their thing. They will own NASCAR. They will own the radio stations that broadcast NASCAR, MRN and PRN. They own have the speedways they run in because um, they own the Speedway Corporation. But through the years, and especially after the 2012 season, 2011 season, when, um, no, no, after 20. 18 when ratings started going down they understood that you know i can own the thing but that doesn't necessarily mean that i know anything about tv contracts or sponsorships or anything of that sort so they essentially just you know like any other sports league in the world they formed their own team you know that they now have a president of racing a president of communications and, and okay. so on so if you can tune in, if you're if you have a chance to tune in, if you're in in you know in the bit of the world that actually tunes in at NASCAR when it's daytime, just check it out. You're you would be in there for a surprise. Well, yeah, it, it's what happens when you put a load of fast cars in a very small confined space. It's going to go a bit mad. <sighs> yeah. Not at high speeds, but I, I was trying to add more to that, but there's really nothing more I can add. It's going to go mad. Uh, I, I'd be more excited for the Daytona 500. That's always more fun. I mean, it's, pro- it's, it's, it's like watching football or soccer. When you watch it every single week and then they take it off, you kind of wait for it. 
And Dead Have Heart. It's a 500 mile race, and that is, even from a European perspective, it is a milestone race, whether it's Daytona, Indy 500, the Michigan 500, or whatever they used to call it. It's, what was it called? It wasn't the Michigan. Michigan. I remember one of their names because it, it was the most well known, but it, it, it was not its final name. It was um because it even had the same name for IndyCar and NASCAR. Pure Michigan 500. <laughs> nice. Pure Michigan being a water company, by the way. Say again. Your audio is cutting off. Ooh, oh, no, uh, have you got Your me here? is not, but... Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, we'll carry on. Hope for the best. <laughs> I no longer remember where, what I was talking about. Something about... Uh... Oh, God, hold on. Okay. Um, something about Michigan. Oh, yes, yeah, 500-mile races being a particularly special event, and it's, yeah... It's like 24-hour races. There's something unique about the way in which you've got to run them, which makes them very entertaining and very competitive. Yeah. Something to be appreciated, even if you do do it in stages. Now, um, let's move on for our final topic. Uh, We'll discuss NASCAR. If your brother's here next week, because I assume he's watching. That would help. Our final topic of the day is not about full motorsport. Um, Weirdly shaped bowls. It's the X-shaped bowl that it's somehow more fun than American football. It is. It 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 makes more sense than American football. Well, um, what are the, it, it, the physical aspect of the game makes more sense. That's a good weapon, yeah. Because I, I really don't see it. And the more I look at, at both sports and I watch both sports at the same time, it just doesn't make sense to me. Why on earth would you use your helmet as a weapon? Yes. It makes no sense. And it's something that's been engraved in Americans for centuries. The, the things you can do in American football that you can't do in rugby such as clotheslining people and what is it? Oh, what's the one where you... Shoulder tackles are not allowed either. Shoulder tackles. What's the one where you get... You've, you've got the ball, you're trying to chuck it and someone comes up behind you and absolutely slams you. What is that move called? You get the ball... And... So basically, you're the quarterback, I think it is. You're oh, looking okay. to chuck it forward, yeah. and someone from the other team comes from behind, whacks you. That's called a sack. A it's sack. It's perfectly legal. Oh, it's entirely legal. I, I understand that, but it's it's a whole other level of and, violence. And frankly, I mean, sacks are not the problem. You know, it happens to quarterbacks, so quarterbacks are actually pretty well protected against sacks. Um, there's protection for everything, for your back, for your neck, for your kidneys. Helmets are the fucking problem. That's what it is. Well, it's a mixture of it's confidence, isn't it? It just gives you the confidence to do whatever you want. And then what you're doing it with is a very hard helmet. They, I mean, they tried it at some point. And I know I was going to talk about rugby, not about football. 
that's the final bit I will say about football. Um, <laughs> they tried it for a year. Um, they changed the rules in which you couldn't use your helmet as you know as the they call it the initiator of a tackle. So you just you just mm. couldn't run with your head forward. Yeah. What they had to do was essentially a rugby tackle. Just wrap your arms around you know the guy yeah. and bring him down, and it never worked. People hated it. Well, the problem is if you just wrap your arms around someone and try to chuck them, you are inevitably going to chuck them in such a way that it's going to injure them mm-hmm. at some point, whether it's shoulder or getting spear tangled. Yeah. It's, at some point, it's going to go wrong. So I think they've probably gone with the de- better the devil you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Call but me, to the, but I've always, oh no, go. Yeah, go. No, 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 you go. Call me crazy, but I've always thought, as someone who has covered American football and watch American football, I've always thought the way to fix this is to let them play without a helmet. Because if you don't have a helmet, and this uh. comes this comes from hockey, you know, the the final player that played without a mandatory helmet never got hit in the head. Ever. Uh. Because the, the rest of the players around him had that consciousness of, okay, he's not wearing a helmet. I'm not going to go with him. Because I could pretty much kill him. Yeah. Well, I, I, ice hockey is arguably more violent than American football. Particularly NHL. Oh. Not nationally, but NHL is violent. Well, it's aggressive. It's a lot of contact, but I wouldn't call it violent. AHL, though. I would suggest that body checking someone into a glass panel which then shatters would be classed under violent. No, 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 my friend. you got to watch something called AHL. AHL is the <laughs> minor leagues of the NHL. Mm-hmm. And whatever you just said right there, that sounds completely familiar to me because uh, you know I've watched this since I'm seven years old. Yeah. Everything you said, multiply times 10. And you got the AHL. Damn. Two seasons ago. We're talking about a shortened season because of the pandemic. This wasn't even a full season. The average number of fights, keep in mind the NHL number, it's about one and a half. It's not a everyday hmm. occurrence anymore. The average number of fights per game was 3.2. Everyone's going to knock their teeth out. Damn. Yes. That's it's a violent, violent leak. Yeah, that sounds it. Jesus. And I mean, this is completely away from the topic and away from rugby. But if you ask me, I would keep it that way. Because the young guys that make it into NHL become a very complete breed of players. If, if you can survive that, no. you can survive the NHL. You've just got to, I was going to say, probably is you've got to have a slightly different attitude when you start doing the international stuff, particularly when you play against European teams, because you've got to be more, it's more about, um, well, it used to be, it was always more international matches are on a bigger pitch, and it was bigger pitch, bigger rink, rink. and it was a bit more, there was, you didn't do the fighting bit, and it was more about skill and playing the game properly. Well, when it comes to the rink, um, you know, because we haven't, these guys play 
especially the foreign guys. They just play in Europe during the winter. Um, for most, like, think about Canada. You know, their players don't play in the winter in Europe. The Canadian guys usually take, like, two days to get used to the rink. If you get to play them in their first night in Europe, you're probably going to beat them because they're not used to the rink. Yeah. It takes an extra effort, an extra set of lungs, I guess. Well, it's that much bigger, isn't it? Which, on a pair of skates, with other people chasing you with sticks, it's going to make a difference. Well, it does. Yeah. History has shown us that it does. Should we go to the X-shaped ball? Because we just went... Uh, yeah, go on. We, we keep skirting around that issue. Yeah. You know what it is? Because I was going to ask you who you're rooting for, but I guess that's pretty obvious. Uh, yes and oh. no. Oh. This is wow. England... England, obviously, um, and Wales. So my dad's family is from Wales. Uh-huh. And we have cousins or relatives mm-hmm. who played for the Welsh national team back in the 70s. Oh. So there is an affinity there. It's it's dropped off. Well, my dad will probably support Wales as much as he supports England. Mm-hmm. In an England versus Wales game, I would support England more because I have less of an affinity with Wales. Okay, but if Wales play anyone, I tend to want them to win. Okay, so it's worked out that way. But in an England Wales match, it's gonna be England for me. Okay, okay. you would you be rooting for? I will. Over the past couple of years when I started watching rugby more regularly because you have all these streaming platforms that give you sports that are not necessarily available in your country all the time, I've started rooting for Scotland. But the first mm-hmm. the first rugby team I've always... The first rugby team I've ever saw was France. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, always either, it's either Scotland or France. And out of the two, I'm pretty sure, you know, France would beat the heck out of Scotland right now. No. Not necessarily. Um, Scotland are improving. They're getting pretty good now. Because they beat England the Calcutta Cup last year, I think. I think I think they were... Yeah, they did. At one point, they were doing well in the Six Nations. And then it went a bit pear-shaped by the end. But I think Scotland are a better prospect than... They're arguably the dark horse. Okay. Although Ireland are the top-ranked team in the world and France are second, Scotland have enough good individuals on their day that they can beat anyone, if, if I recall correctly. So they just got to work cohesively as a theme. It's basically that and getting the luck on the day as well. Okay. Again, against the Islands and France's, I think against England and Wales, they've got a decent chance of being, being both. And then... Everyone beats Italy anyway, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. Scotland are a much better prospect this year than they have been, or the last couple of years than they have been previously, pre-pandemic. I'm I'm looking but, like a rookie right now, and I'm I'm not used to it. I, I gotta ask, who's number one in the world? I thought it was Ireland. Is it Ireland, Ireland are one in the world, and France are second, I believe. Oh, I thought I, I thought France was still number one. 
No, Ireland have got it. Um, which it'll be interesting going into the World Cup, which is the end of the year, uh-huh. to see if Ireland can actually do anything with it and the uh, the team they've got because they've never don't uh, no they haven't won it. No, they haven't won it. And nor France, actually, interestingly. Or have they? Did France win it? Maybe. The World Cup? Yeah. No, I think I they haven't won the World Cup. Uh, Could be wrong, though. That, that, that would make England the only Northern Hemisphere team to win the Rugby World Cup, which feels wrong. <laughs> but yes, it's... Um, yeah, you would say that the favourites will be um, France or Ireland. Probably, I think Ireland probably just take take it. But it's one of those ones where, on the day, anything can happen, and that's part of the fun of the sport at the moment. Everyone's getting more competitive, except Italy and Australia. Well, Australia had a bit of a were on a bit of a down, but they then got Eddie Jones after England sacked him. So they might suddenly find themselves with a little bit of a burst. Now, then Argent- for the World Cup, like there's I think Argentina are looking decent, pretty decent, in fact. And South Africa and New Zealand will always be around anyway. South Africa being the reigning champions. Yeah. Now, final bid before we close up the show. Um, what time are you watching the Six Nations over there? Uh, watching about, it live. I just want to bask in the misery of being a a, a rugby fan <laughs> of the Americas. Well, in fairness, it's not too bad for you. There'll be, I think, the early game may be a pain for you, but um, they tend to be. Uh, it's, it, oh, what is it usually? it's like two or three o'clock or five o'clock yeah. kickoffs. So you're looking at eight, nine o'clock over your way, possibly seven in the morning. Yeah, you're you're, you're damn right. I mean, I'm, I had the. I have the official app right here and it, and it, it adjust the time zones. First game, Wales against Ireland tomorrow at 7.15. But the thing is, is that I've always seen Europeans, you know, just watch rugby with a, a pint of beer, a Guinness. Yep. And there's a part of me that would absolutely love to do that. Oh, it's worth it. Yeah. Big fun. Basically, let's put it this way. Well, it's not, well, it's not seven in the morning for us, hence we can get away with drinking that much. Yeah. But it's it's if you compare it to football, rugby people, rugby fans drink more. But there's an awful lot less fights. Yeah, we're more civilized. Yeah. Because the game itself is a much more civilized game, despite the fact you're running into people at full pelt. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, the whole culture of rugby is much nicer in that sense compared to football well so it's have... still quite... hmm? no go ahead no no I, I was pretty much finished oh, I cannot have a beer at 7.15 in the morning yeah you I can I had 1945 I cannot that be that much of an alcoholic my therapist You're... said so not me only do it on rugby games it's fine don't have to do it every day I gotta, it's all good I gotta work I mean you're trying to okay that, that may be a problem I appreciate. I at least have the day off. <laughs> I appreciate you trying to make it allowable, but I would be at work. Ah, oh, that 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 may be a problem. I, I'm essentially carrying my work laptop uh, just to work in, in my regular. You know, I'm, I'm just a yeah. staff writer on Saturday, so I don't go out. 
and this laptop, the one that's recording this show, to watch whatever sporting event I have to watch. Nice. And on that bombshell of sadness of me, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna mention one thing, more thing about the Six Nations. Yes, is that it used to be the Five Nations, yes. and then Italy joined in like two thousand. Yes, and there's now a clamor for there to be a second division of the Six Nations, and basically Italy. It, yeah, really get Italy, but then they get promoted again. You got countries like Georgia and Romania with. And Spain. Pretty decent teams now. Uh, Spain are decent. I Spain. think Germany are on the up as well. And there's there's a lot of rugby going on in Europe at the moment in countries where you wouldn't normally expect it. So it'd be the clamour will be to have a second division. And I would love to see that because you get twice the amount of games and it will be, be a win. There's something competitive to fight for as well, other than winning a Grand Slam. But not sure or the championship be, itself. Not sure if I'd be up for a second division, mostly because I don't know the sport as much as I know football. I'm still learning about it. Mm. I would yeah. need a bit more of context. But I'd be up for I'd be all for getting rid of Italy. I mean, these are the top five <laughs> teams in the world. And then there's Italy. Well, um, Italy and Georgia would basically swap around for the first few years. If you were to do it from this year onwards, it would be Italy who'd get relegated, Georgia would go up, then vice versa for a few years, unless a team did really badly in the, the top division. And yeah, that's kind of what would happen to start off with. But then, I'm but good. as things go, they get more competitive. So it'd be good fun. Or just plain sack them like they did. Um... With South Africa over there in the southern hemisphere. South Africa left. Yes, I know they left. But according to Argentina, and there's no way you're going to change your fucking mind. According to Argentina, <laughs> they sacked them. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's an interesting conversation. I'd like to have been on the fly on the wall on that one. Uh, just to finish, I promise this is the last point and I'm going to finish the show right here. Ironically, they sacked South Africa. But the organization that runs, you know, the rugby championship, um, it still has South Africa's name on it, and they still have a controlling interest in it, despite not having to want anything with it. Wow, <laughs> man, the southern hemisphere are mad. Uh, just fucking Argentinians. <laughs> you're weird. You're you're playing as weird. I have no other way to describe it. I like you guys, but you're weird. And on that bombshell, and with the sure hatred of an entire country, I, I can be like Jeremy Clarkson now. <laughs> I was going to say, it wasn't even from the Brit. <laughs> it's time to end the show. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And we'll see you next week.